I I was trying to think of a way at the beginning to kind of disarm people's defensiveness and get through that um, guard that people sometimes put up when they hear about veganism. And I decided that um, entertaining people and surprising people, sort of shocking people, um, but also just talking about good old fashioned taste appeal um, would be the best routes forward. Welcome to another episode of Communicating Purpose. I'm John Higginson and I believe that the best way to get a message across clearly is by talking about something you honestly and passionately believe in. By doing so, you bring people with you. Your passion becomes theirs and I call this the power of purpose. Now, like hundreds of thousands of people around the world each year, I got my first taster of veganism through taking part in Veganuary. There are different positive reasons for veganism, animal welfare, personal health and taste. But for me, it was the environmental benefits that, that brought me in. Now, climate emissions, including CO2 and methane, are on average 10 to 30 times higher for animal-based products than they are for plant-based products. The absolute worst animal product is the one that most eat meat eaters love including myself which is beef now beef produces 60 times as much co2 emissions um or co2 equivalent because actually methane's the absolute worst worst one as plant-based staples like corn and wheat per calorie so that's why while i'm no longer a vegan uh, i'm i'm sad to say i couldn't do it my month taking part in veganuary has done two things for me one it's helped me to reduce the um animal products for my diet, uh, particularly the worst environmental offender, red, red meat, as I've just discussed. But secondly, it also introduced me to a number of foods and products that I hadn't tried before. If you're of my generation, you'll know that meat alternatives a couple of decades ago were pretty, pretty limited. You had corn, and you had Linda McCartney, and then the options started to dry out a bit apart from lentils and stuff. But in the last decade, the market has boomed and more and more people as as more and more people are looking for alternatives for me and my family this isn't chicken was one of the best chicken alternatives that i found and my can uh, and my kids generally couldn't tell the difference when we used it as a straight swap in fajitas so that's why i'm really pleased to be joined on today's episode by andy shovel founder and co-ceo of this andy is a self-described meat lover who used his passion to develop meat-based alternatives uh, of beloved animal pro products, including bacon and sausages, that actually taste like the real thing. And I've just read in the Daily Mail that a Daily Mail reporter has said that the chicken wing, this chicken wings are better than a real thing. I, I'm yet to try them, Andy, but that, that, that sounds great. I'm going to go for those in a brew dog, one of my uh, uh, favorite bars to go to. And if you're a Londoner who used to achieve, you can't have missed their mouth-watering, this isn't bacon campaign. Andy, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Please just tell us about your journey to where you got to today. Sure. Thanks so much, John, for having me. Um, so, yeah, my journey at this started in a very unusual way because uh, my co-founder, Pete, and I, we were, as you 
described earlier, we were sort of meat lovers and I, I personally had meat, uh, you know, 14 times uh, a week, I'd say. And we also had a meat business. So we were selling burgers uh, via a sort of gourmet burger and takeaway concept uh, that we then sold in 2016 to a large fast food group. And we kind of, it's been an interesting journey since then because Obviously, that kind of makes us slightly uh, unconventional plant-based founders. Uh, but then we decided to get into uh, sustainability somehow. And we didn't quite know how. And in the end, we settled on meat alternatives. We thought that there was some really exciting stuff going on in the States. Not that much exciting stuff really going on here in the UK. Um, as, as you mentioned earlier, like a couple of legacy brands, it was pretty limited. Uh, so we thought we could really innovate when it comes to products and when it came to um, uh, brand as well. And so, yeah, we launched in um, uh, 2019. Uh, and at the time, I wasn't a vegan, actually, when we uh, when we launched. And I've sort of subsequently become completely bought in. And uh, I'm now kind of obsessed by animal welfare and animal rights. And, um, and I, I eat plant-based food. So for me, it's been a personal journey as well as a professional one. Great. And just tell us a bit more about this. So what is actually in your products? How are you making them taste better than the the alternatives that throughout the 80s and 90s we were all, you know, I kind of felt when I whenever I tried to go down that route that it all tasted a bit squelchy and 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 sudden and, and I'd immediately go back to me because I go I'd go this is nothing like meat whatsoever. Yeah. So we, we use protein from uh, peas and soybeans predominantly. Um, we sometimes use mushrooms and other ingredients, but but those are the predominant ingredients, I'd say. And the reason why it tastes better than the stuff that you kind of uh, didn't enjoy much in the uh, 80s and 90s is that, um, although you don't look old enough to remember stuff from the 80s, but... Uh, <laughs> but Thank um, you. You're very I, kind. I am. Um, so... so we use obviously quite modern technology to to, to uh, produce the food and um, we've got a team of in-house scientists so we've got about 20 on the innovation team and they're all scientists and they all basically focus on product development so there's some real ingenuity and creativity when it comes to the way we develop products we, we don't just phone up factories and say hey can we have a plant-based chicken nugget please um, and then put our brand on it like we develop everything kind of from the ground up and We've got lots of IP, lots of know-how. Um, we've innovated on sort of the existing state of the art as it was uh, to make sure that we can sort of push the envelope when it comes to taste and texture and mouthfeel and succulents. So a lot of work has gone into the products, uh, and I think that's why they um, tend to taste better than the stuff that you uh, that you didn't enjoy. Right. And then can you just tell us about any of your most significant kind of moments when you felt that you had a real breakthrough? Um, yeah, I think, I'm trying to think, it's been relatively linear, actually. There hasn't been sort of one moment where like, oh my God, thank God, we sort of made it. Um, I think that getting into Tesco was quite a big milestone. Um, they were the first of the like really big four kind of supermarkets that we got into. Um, big four, for those that don't know, sort of Sainsbury's, Tesco, Morrison's, um and asda and we uh we got into tesco and getting in is one thing but anyone in fmcg will always tell you that that the real challenge is kind of staying in and making sure that the rate of sale is where you need it so 
that's why I say it wasn't really like a eureka moment where you're like, oh, we've done it, we're there. And, you know, it's kind of like, okay, good, but now what can we do to stay there? So I actually don't remember. I mean, probably the, the most memorable moment for me is is probably our first sale, actually, when we went to Patty and Bun. And for those that don't know, Patty and Bun is a gourmet burger chain. And because of our links in the burger world before, um, I knew Joe, the founder of Patty and Bun, but not really so well that he would sort of do us a favor and take it, you know, like I just knew of him. And we went there. I think it was the first time that we tried to sell in the products to a restaurant group. And they loved it. They, they were At the beginning of the meeting, they were really skeptical and they were sort of saying, look, you know, come see you because we knew you from the burger world, but like, we don't really believe in meat alternatives. We think it's all a bit silly. It's not for us. And then we showed them our, our bacon and our chicken, our, our plant-based nuggets, and and they tried them and they completely U-turned and they were like, yeah, we actually, this is incredible, like great job. And we were so thrilled at the end of it and they decided to take on our products and that was our first ever customer. Um, we're actually still in Patty and Bun, um, which is awesome. But yeah, that, that was a real highlight for me. Great. Now, the reason I really wanted to speak to you is because... Um, Lots of our listeners are in the communications business, and I'm I'm in the communications business myself. And as I pointed out in that intro there, I think this has really got the comms really right. You know, I think quite often um, previously on plant-based stuff has been far too much around the, this is good for you, this is good for the environment, and you seem to be concentrating on, this is going to taste great. And, and you're concentrating on that traditional fmcg model on you're going to buy this because it tastes great just just tell us a bit about how how you devised your communication strategy sure so at the beginning uh when it was just me and Pete kind of brainstorming it was quite clear to me that this is a very emotionally charged world that we were going to go into it's not like dairy alternatives, right? Where people can sort of take or leave milk. They don't really care that much. But when it comes to meat, people absolutely love it. People love burgers and steaks and chicken, fried chicken in a way that they don't love milk or, or cheese even, to be honest. Mm. So that comes with some very difficult dynamics when it comes to marketing, because you have got a situation where your consumer base is quite defensive from the off if they start hearing about vegan things or, or you know um, plant-based foods because I think they they can have a tendency to instinctively put their guard up and think that you're kind of attacking them for their lifestyle choices uh, and telling them that that you know meat is bad and if you eat meat it's very grave and you're ruining the environment and um, and all this stuff so I I was trying to think of a way at the beginning to kind of disarm people's defensiveness and get through that um, guard that people sometimes put up when they hear about veganism. And I decided that um, entertaining people and surprising people, sort of shocking people, um, but also just talking about good old fashioned taste appeal um, would be the best routes forward. So our brand has become a sort of quite silly, fun, playful brand, which which kind of just seeks to entertain people and to sort of surprise people with with anecdotes and stories and videos about how good our products taste and how similar to meat they are um and it's all in a sort of calculated effort to try and wade through these difficult kind of preconceptions that some people have about vegan food 
Um, now, the other point of this podcast is it's for it, 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 it's about purpose, communicating purpose. And as you said there at the top of the interview, um, you moved from essentially gourmet traditional meat burger uh, um, uh, um, business. And as I said at the top there, you know, beef is absolutely the worst offender. The, the one thing that if you cut out anything, you should cut out beef because, because of uh, um, the climate change emissions. Just kind of, and you, and you told me a bit about your, about your journey yourself, that actually when you set this up, you weren't actually a vegan. So you haven't come from that stance that, that, that lots of others have, you know, not like Linda McCartney, who was a vegan and then set up a business. You've, you've set up the business and become a vegan. So just, Tell us a bit about that purpose journey. What does purpose mean to you? Um, how is it different to you running a purpose-led business than the other businesses? And I know that you've set up lots of businesses in your quite young life, so you're very entrepreneurial. Just, just tell us about that change. Well, I'm not that young. I won't lean forward, but there's a bald spot growing at the top. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so to us, uh, our mission is to force the world's livestock into retirement, basically. So, you know, we, we, we exist to take animals out of the food chain. And to me personally, um, the purpose is hugely important these days. It's kind of a big reason for getting out of bed. And as I said at the beginning, like, I've become pretty obsessed with it. I'm starting a charity at the moment. I'm just going through the process of creating it and getting my trustees. And, you know, that, that's uh, going to be sort of, I think, my next kind of chapter in life, actually, is, is to... Um, dive into the activism world uh and um i think you know my views are somewhat delineated from the company's kind of views when it comes to to this because i'm sort of you know i suppose i'm even more passionate about it than the company is because the company has to be quite mainstream and we have to make sure that we appeal to all kind of consumers and not just vegans and vegetarians but um so sometimes when i'm kind of uh you know trying to give direction uh, when it comes to creative uh, for our marketing and comms i have to tone it down quite a lot and i have to like always look through that lens of kind of mainstream appeal um so mm. it can be challenging at times um but yeah generally speaking i think running a purpose-led business um it, it's just a whole new dimension isn't it like <clears throat> i think it's actually something that we we haven't we haven't done well enough is 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 really kind of rally our team behind the purpose. I think we do have lots of um, vegans and people who care a lot about animals and, and about the environment, but I think we could probably do even more. I, th I think the next couple of years at the business, we're going to really try and uh, um, lean harder into the mission um, because sometimes, you know, things are so busy. We've been a really high growth startup and you just tend to, you know, so many challenges as well. And you just tend to, kind of breeze over the mission a lot of the time yeah. um so i i would love to sit here and say well it's very different because you know we're, we're so unbelievably focused as a business on the mission but i think we actually need to try harder to be focused on the mission moving yeah. forward um to yeah. be honest yeah it's i think it's very very easy for founders and ceos and people at the top to to get pulled it into the numbers and then looking at the numbers and going oh what what, what does our growth look like and it doesn't even matter you know uh, Higginson strategy my company is a b corp and i get pulled into the numbers and i go you know i'm going oh what why haven't we got the growth levels that we've got and i have to go hold on this is a purpose-led business i'm uh, 
the, the actual financials don't actually matter nearly as much. When you stop forgetting about when you start forgetting about the financials and you start focusing on your purpose, the financials follow. Everything everything has shown that purpose led businesses do better on every single financial metric. So when you go back to that purpose, have you have you found that actually getting passionate? And you said you have to kind of dial down your passion a bit to make sure that you're hitting parts of the market that might not be passionate um about it and and and, and non-meat eaters uh, uh, etc um have you found that having that passion is actually quite good as a north star for your business having the passion is what sorry as a kind of north star if you if you kind I of see. dial into your passion to go right okay this is what i'm passionate about you know this this is what leads the business not actually we have to hit this amount of growth per year well, that was kind of what I was talking about. I, th- I think it can be a more prominent North Star for us than it has been. Yeah. Um, I think that it's a development area for us as a business and as a team. And we're making some changes at the moment in terms of the management and the leadership at this. And I think that um, that will, uh, yeah, that, I think that's going to really help us in terms of, um, you know, being more, more mission aligned. Um, the uh, um, I'm not sure when this is going out, but probably at the same time. But but basically, we, we're hiring a we, we've hired sorry a CEO to replace me and Pete in our role, yeah. um, and that that CEO is somebody who's who's always been really mission led in in previous businesses, and um, so I think that's you know definitely an area where we can lean in harder um, in the future, and we'll be enabled to do that. Great. Um, in terms of forms of media that that you use yourself to uh, get get news from, what's your what are your main sources? Um, well, we obviously try and be as mainstream as possible, to be honest. So the, the broadsheets and the rags and um, like uh, you know um, uh, on online uh, popular online outlets like Lad Bible, um, just kind of really across the board, right? So if we're trying to get if we're trying to get noticed via the PR channel, then We'll kind of take everything we can get and 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 yeah. try and raise the profile. We, we've had quite a lot of PR over the years. Um, yeah. We launched about four year, four and a bit years ago, and we've been featured um, many hundreds of times uh, in, in 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 all sorts of different outlets. That's great. Yeah. Well, well, well um, Higginson's strategy actually uh, worked for Viva, the the vegan charity that I'm sure you uh, um, well know, and they yeah. came to us saying, "Look, we're actually really good at PR for." vegans we're really good at speaking to our own audience but the one thing that we're struggling with is the hard to reach people and they are working class men they said if you can help us reach working class men we're gonna we'd love to use you and and we did a campaign on that on that basis and so we use we we got people from top gear and we got them uh do, doing kind of stunt where they where they uh cooked a vegan sausages for their for their kind of builder workers and stuff and you just, just got loads of coverage online and got that bible and all those kind of, all those kind of things yeah. it does feel like you're you're trying to hit a similar thing you're not you're not you're not singing to the choir yeah exactly because the trouble with singing to the choir in our space is that the the vegan population in the uk is only about three four percent depending on where you look um so if you want to be a large mainstream brand then you have to sing to not the choir. Yeah. Um, if you were to 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 just look back on your life and give yourself a bit of advice, what 
what would it be? Ooh, just life outside of work and, and general life. You, you, you can go outside and work. I mean, uh, you might go for work, but, but um, if, if you've got something outside as well, a piece of advice to your younger self. Um, I think probably th- when it comes to career, I'd probably say think bigger a bit sooner. Um, I think that I was kind of preoccupied with, um, like I was probably preoccupied with, with, uh, you know, always looking weeks or a couple of months ahead and not really thinking like many quarters ahead or even a couple of years ahead. And I think that's a symptom of just being an inexperienced and a younger business person. And what it leads to is probably like smaller outcomes. Um, so I think I would probably advise myself to, um, to think further ahead and think bigger, um, you know, sooner, because I think it's taken me many years to think like that. And, um, also like slightly even more boring and unglamorous advice. It's probably just, uh, we, we, as we grew at this, we, we hired a senior team, like really late in the day. So we were quite junior as a, as a team, um, when we were doing, um, you know, revenues where you really need a senior team. Uh, and so that's been quite sort of destructive for the business actually. And, and we've now hired a great senior team and we kind of caught up just about, but we're still picking up some of the pieces from, from that uh, misjudgment. So I would advise my younger self to surround myself with, um, and Pete with, with more senior people sooner, um, so that we can grow in a sort of organized and structured way. And that really is very unsexy kind of advice, but it is helpful. That's, that's, that's great advice to founders out there uh, listening to this. Andy Shovel, co-founder of this. You've been speaking to me, John Higginson, on Communicating Purpose, produced this week by Joe Leonard-Walters. 